Well, we're finishing our series in the book of Psalms this morning. I hope you've been encouraged by this uniquely helpful book. The Psalms are here to help us engage with God in the everyday realities of our lives. And so it meets us in every aspect of life in a fallen world and comes alongside of us to lead us to draw near to God. And so I'm very grateful that this morning Colin Smith is going to be joining us for the final psalm in this series. Uh, Colin is the senior pastor of the Orchard Evangelical Free Church in Arlington Heights in the Chicago area. And he is here with his wife, Karen. And as uh, many of you don't know, he's the father of Dave Smith, who leads in our musical worship. And uh, if you've been here for a few years, you've heard him open up God's Word before. Uh, he's been here several times. We're grateful uh, for you, Colin, and you being a friend of our church and to serve us. And so it's always a great encouragement to have you here. And I know that we'll be blessed by the Lord through His Word this morning. And so let me read Psalm 23. Uh, as we then invite Colin up to open up God's Word with us. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can join us, Colin. Thank you. Well, it really is a joy to be with all of you here today. Karen and I so enjoy every opportunity that we have of worshiping with you here at uh, ZF. We so greatly appreciate the ministry of your pastor, Drew Hunter. You are a blessed congregation. That's an amen moment, by the way. It really is. And Every time we come here, we are enriched because the gospel is central, Jesus Christ is uplifted, and the warmth of Zionsville Fellowship is a blessing to us all. So thank you for the invitation. It's an absolute joy and a privilege uh, to be here. And I want to draw your attention to one of the best known and one of the best loved chapters in all of the Bible, and that, of course, is Psalm 23 that has both been read and indeed sung to us. Now, here's the message this morning in a nutshell. The greatest blessing you can ever know is to be wholly owned by the Son of God. Without question, the greatest blessing you can ever know is to be wholly owned by the Son of God. I want us to see why that is true from Psalm 23 today. If you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm wholly owned by the Son of God, 
then you will also be able to say, I shall not want. Now, Psalm 23 is about what God does for His people, and like all of the Bible, it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and you know well that when Jesus comes into the world, He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, it's sometimes alleged that because most of us live in either cities or suburbs, that somehow we are incapable of knowing what a shepherd is or what a shepherd does. I, I rather doubt that, but I do want to say that even if you have never seen a flock of sheep in your life, everything you need to know about a shepherd is right here for you in Psalm 23. There are five things that a shepherd always does for their sheep. First, a shepherd leads the sheep. And of course, because this is all pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is reminding us that Jesus, the good shepherd, leads us. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me, verse 2, beside still waters. Notice that the good shepherd will lead you first into rest. And there are two beautiful pictures of rest here, lying down in green pastures and being led beside still waters. They're both beautiful descriptions of what it means to rest. And here's the thing. Sheep don't find it easy to rest for one obvious reason. And why does it say he makes me lie down, makes me? Why do they have to be made to lie down? Well, think about it. How do sheep defend themselves? See, other, other animals can sting or charge or bite or roar. What can sheep do if a predator comes? Not very much. The only defense they've got is to run. And they're not very good at that either, by the way. Now, if your only defense is to run, then what are you going to do? You're going to stay on your feet. And you're going to be a little bit anxious all the time. Is there any predator coming? My only defense is to run. I didn't lie down. And maybe you know actually a little bit of what this is like to be, as it were, on edge, anxious, not able really to rest. Why? Because there's a problem that you need to solve. There's a there's a challenge that you need to face. Your mind won't rest. You go to bed and it goes round and round and round and you just can't get away from it. And David says, now my shepherd makes me lie down. Well, how does that happen? Well, put yourself, if you can, in the position of the sheep. You're staying on your feet because you know that your only defense is to run. But Oh, when you can see that the shepherd is right there in the field, well, now you can lie down. Because if you can see that the shepherd's right there, then what if the wolf comes? Well, if the wolf comes, the shepherd's going to deal with the wolf on your behalf, and therefore you can rest. Now, if the shepherd were to leave the field, you'd be back on your feet again. You'd be worried and anxious and ready to run. But as long as you can see the shepherd you will be able to lie down. Now, this is very practical, isn't it? The way to find rest is to keep your shepherd in view. Here's how you deal with your fears. Here's how you deal with the things that keep you awake at night. 
Here's how you deal with the things that make you anxious. You say, now, I am not alone in this. My shepherd is with me, and my shepherd is the Lord God Almighty. And then David says, not only that he leads his sheep into rest, but he leads his sheep, verse 3, into righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And paths of righteousness are very simply right paths. There are right paths for you to pursue as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's your shepherd, and he's going to lead you in them. And notice that the psalm makes it very clear that the right path will not always be an easy path. Verse 4, the right path takes David through a dark valley. Verse 5, the right path takes David into the presence of enemies. But even there, the shepherd leads him, and even there, the shepherd is with him. Now, what I want you to notice here is David states this very simply and wonderfully as a fact. He leads me. He leads me. Every pastor, I'm sure, has a talk on, you know, how to discover the will of God. Um, This is not the verse for that, though. What this is doing is not getting into the question of how I go about discerning the will of God on any particular decision. What this is doing is celebrating the wonderful fact that this is always true of you as a Christian believer. He leads you. He leads you. He always has, and He always will. God's leading in Scripture is not presented to us as a puzzle to fret over, but as a gift to enjoy. The shepherd leads the sheep, and David simply states this as a given. This is wonderfully true of you. Relax, have hope, have confidence. You are seeking to follow the shepherd, and you can be confident of this, that he will do what it needs to lead you in right paths. And there's not something that you have to do in order to make this happen. This is a gift that belongs to you when the Lord himself is your shepherd. And that's the first great gift. You belong to the shepherd. You're wholly owned by the Son of God. It's the most marvelous blessing first because he leads you. He leads you. And second, the shepherd restores the sheep. This is very wonderful. And Jesus, therefore, the good shepherd, restores us. He restores my soul, verse 3. Now, here, of course, we have the, it's naturally the next truth, isn't it? The shepherd leads us, but we all know how often we go astray and we get ourselves into one mess or another. We all know the contradictions of our own lives. You love the Lord, you really do, but your heart wanders. You trust him, but sometimes your faith burns very, very low. And think about this. If your final salvation depended on your consistency in following after the good shepherd, you would never arrive safely home. Think about that. None of us would. If our final salvation depended ultimately on our consistency in following after the Good Shepherd, none of us would arrive safely 
home. So thank God for this wonderful truth that the Good Shepherd restores your soul. Now, a good number of years ago, a man by the name of Philip Keller, who was a shepherd in South Africa, wrote a very helpful book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And out of his experience of being a shepherd, he brought a number of, at least to me and I'm sure to many others, fresh insights uh, into the significance of this wonderful picture in this beautiful psalm. And in his book, Philip Keller describes a condition into which sheep can get themselves that he describes with the word cast, that's C-A-S-T. And he explains that a sheep can become cast either when its fleece is very long and therefore it's carrying extra weight, or when a sheep is carrying lambs, and then of course the same thing applies. And here, here's what happens, that the problem in either case is that if the sheep lies down on its side, well, now everything is just fine. But if it just tips over a little bit further and flips onto its back, and it has the extra weight of carrying lambs or of the long fleece, it is a physical impossibility for the sheep, once it's on its back, to actually get it back, itself back on its feet again. And he describes uh, vividly, and you can picture this, all that happens is that the sheep lies there, I quote, struggling, and gases begin to build up in the rumen, and then as it lies there helpless with four legs kind of kicking in the air, of course, the circulation cuts off to the legs, and the situation becomes worse and worse and worse, and ultimately the sheep will die. When a sheep is on its back, it cannot right itself when it is cast. The only hope for it, therefore, is that the shepherd will come and see the cast sheep, find it, and lift it back onto its legs. Again, that is exactly what David is describing here in this wonderful phrase, he restores my soul. And Philip Keller describes how, as a shepherd, he would restore a cast sheep. He says, and I quote, I would have to lift her onto her feet and then straddling the sheep between my legs, he says, I would hold her erect, rubbing her limbs until the circulation was restored. And then after he'd done this on the four legs, rubbing the legs, holding the sheep up between his own legs, then he says, this often took quite a time. And then the sheep, of course, would start to walk, and it would stumble, and then I'd do it some more, and eventually the sheep was restored to the point where it was able to carry its own weight and was back on its feet again. Now, isn't that a beautiful picture? David's saying, that's what God does for me. When I'm on my back and it's, I cannot get myself back on my feet again, here's what the good shepherd will do for me. He will restore my soul. Thank God for it. And just think about this in the big picture, brothers and sisters, of your own life. I mean, think of everything that you've come through over the years and ask this question. How is it that after all that you have endured in your life that you are still a Christian today? How is it that despite all the sin that remains within you, all the injustice that you have seen around you, 
All the conflict that you have endured, all the disappointments you may have faced, all the pain you may have suffered, all the demands that are upon you even now, how is it that you are still a believer today? And I say there's only one explanation, and you know what it is. He restores my soul. That every time I've been on my back, God has been faithful, and He has come, and He has restored this cast sheep, and He's got me back on my feet again. God's restoration explains your continuing in the faith. And therefore, God's restoration guarantees your final arrival in glory. Isn't that good news? Oh, to be wholly owned by the Son of God. I have these marvelous gifts, and they're mine. He leads me, and He restores me. And then David points this out, that a shepherd guards the sheep, and Jesus, our good shepherd, of course, guards us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now, the ESB Bible has a footnote that tells us that the valley of the shadow of death can also be translated the valley of deep darkness. And therefore, that this refers not only to one particular valley at the end of the Christian life, but to perhaps many experiences that would be described as deep darkness that you may go through on the way. And the wonderful truth that is set before us here is that when you belong to the Good Shepherd, you're wholly owned by the Son of God. The Lord Himself will be with you even in the darkest place. That's the wonderful truth. Now, it's important to recognize this, that when you come to a time of great darkness, you may not be able to feel the presence of God. And the reason I say this, now here's why. When our Lord Jesus suffered on the cross, you remember that He was plunged into the deepest darkness. And when our Lord Jesus was plunged into the deepest darkness, He could no longer feel the comfort of His Father's love. How do we know that? Because He cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Now, let me ask a question, and it's not a rhetorical question. I'd really appreciate your help by way of an answer. Was God the Father present at the cross? Answer? Absolutely. Of course He was. In fact, He was doing His greatest ever work right there in the darkness through Jesus. reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Now, by way of analogy, can you now take that over into experiences that you may know? There may be times when, as one of the Lord's people, you endure a period of particular darkness, and you may say, I'm struggling because I do not feel His presence in the way that I once did. And here's what David is saying to you. You may not feel it, but you take this on board. 
God is with you in the darkness as much as he is with you in the light. Therefore, do not doubt in the darkness what God has taught you in the light. And then, fourthly, a shepherd not only leads and restores and guards the sheep, but a shepherd feeds the sheep. And Jesus, the good shepherd, of course, feeds us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, verse 5. And of course, David had many, many enemies. You know his life story well, I'm sure. In his early years, he was despised by his brothers. Anyone know what it is to be despised by a brother or a sister? Um, As a young man, he was a fugitive, hunted by King Saul. When he was appointed by God to a position of leadership, Ten of the twelve tribes wouldn't accept his leadership. Think how difficult that was. And in his later life, he endured perhaps the greatest pain of all, his own son raising a rebellion against him, trying to destroy him. Now, you read the life of David, and um, you probably have this reaction as you read the story. You say, how in the world did this man keep going? And there will be folks in the congregation, that'll be a very real question today. You're facing one thing after another, after another, and here's the question, how in the world are you going to keep going when the whole world seems to be against you? And here's David's wonderful answer, and it's true of you in the Lord Jesus Christ. God prepared a table for David. What is that saying? God renewed his strength. That's what the meal does, isn't it? It strengthens us. God renewed his strength in the presence of his enemies, and what God did for David, he will do for you. There's a phrase from an old Puritan writer, Jeremiah Burroughs. It's been a real help to me. Burroughs says this, when God doubles your load, he can triple your strength. I like that. I've said more than once in my life, Lord, if you're going to double my load, please triple my strength. But you see, here's the marvelous promise. He's going to give you the strength he needs. That's the significance of preparing a table in the presence of, uh, of your enemies. He's going to give you the strength that you need to face what he calls you to carry at any and every given point in your life. And you can be confident of that. You can be sure of it when the Lord is your shepherd. We're beginning to see why it is that the greatest blessing you can ever know is to be wholly owned by the Son of God, because He leads you, because He restores you, because He guards you, because He feeds you. And then fifthly, a shepherd loves the sheep, and Jesus, the good shepherd, loves us. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, uh, one of the joys of uh, farming life where, uh, car- where I come from in uh, Scotland um, are the dogs that chase after the uh, sheep, a shepherd's dogs. The sheep dogs are just always, always 
with him. And when a shepherd gathers his sheep from the hills, while the dogs will go out, they will run in wide, wide arcs over the hills, chasing the sheep in the direction that the shepherd uh, wants them to go. Uh, Sheep dogs are just beautiful, highly trained, hardworking, intelligent creatures, and a wise shepherd would never want uh, to be uh, without them. Uh, A marvelous, uh, marvelous uh, gift. Now, Douglas Macmillan, uh, who wrote a book on Psalm 23, quotes an old Scottish shepherd who said this, the shepherd, he said, is in front of the sheep, and the dogs are chasing the sheep in the direction that the shepherd wants them to go. The dogs always chase from behind, you see. Shepherd in front, Dogs chasing up the stragglers, running in these wide arcs. You got the picture? And he said this, The good shepherd has two sheepdogs that follow from behind. The name of one is goodness. And the name of the other is mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, chasing me in the direction that the good shepherd wants me to go all the days of my life. Every good, every mercy in your life comes from the loving hand of God. So thank Him for it. Every good, every mercy. Sinners blame God in everything and thank Him for nothing. Believers thank God in everything and blame Him for nothing. Cultivate the habit of thanksgiving. And then as goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, David then says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think of this as one who is wholly owned by the Son of God. One day, the Lord Himself will welcome you home, and you will enter into His glorious presence. And when you dwell in the house of the Lord, faith will be turned to sight. You're going to see face to face the one who you have so long loved and trusted, heart to heart. God will wipe away all tears from your eyes. The kingdom of God will come. Death will be defeated. Evil will be overthrown. Heaven will come to earth, and God will dwell with His people in a world of love where He will make everything new forever and forever. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, Here's what He does for His own. He leads you, He restores you, He guards you, He feeds you, and He will love you forever. By any standards, these are marvelous gifts. And of course, the question then is, well, now, to whom do these marvelous gifts belong? Who gets to enjoy these things? And the answer is that the sheep, 
that are led and are restored and guarded and fed and loved. They are the sheep that belong to the good shepherd. They're the ones who are wholly owned by him. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm his. I belong to him. I'm one of his sheep. And that's why these marvelous gifts are mine. Think about this for a moment with me. How does the Lord become your shepherd? How do you become one of his sheep? And you see, as so often God is using an analogy that we can easily understand to point us into deep and wonderful biblical truth. How are sheep added to a flock? One of two ways. Either they're bought or they're born. And in God's flock, both are true of you. Every Christian has been bought into God's flock. Every Christian has been born into God's flock. New birth. Karen and I have been watching a series called This Farming Life on the television. It's about sheep and cattle farming in Scotland. It gives us a little bit of nostalgia at the end of the day. And um, one of the joys of farming life um, where I come from are the sheep auctions. And uh, we've enjoyed just watching, you know, these farmers arriving, these vast sheep auctions and these various animals in different pens and how the farmers will come and they'll look and they'll decide which ones they want to buy used for growing the flock, rams for breeding. And they'll look at them and they'll decide which ones they want to buy and how much they want to bid. And then each of the little groups of sheep, they're brought out of the individual pens and then there's the bidding and so forth and so on. And the sheep uh, come under new ownership. Think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ has chosen to purchase you. He really did. And the price that he paid was the laying down of his own life. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And not only have you been bought into God's flock, you have been born into his flock. Obviously, for sheep, it would be one or the other. But for us as believers in Christ, both are wonderfully true. You have been born again, Peter says. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Think of this. The Holy Spirit awakened you, opened your eyes, brought you to life, brought you to faith, implanted within your heart a desire to leave sin and to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made you his own. And he's made you his own because he bought you and he made you his own because he has birthed you. He is your shepherd. And as one of his sheep, you are the constant object of his loving attention and care. Now, do you see why I said at the beginning, the greatest blessing you can ever know is to be wholly owned by the Son of God. And the last thing is this. Someone may be asking this question, yes, but, there's always a yes, but, isn't there? 
Do I really want to be wholly owned? I mean, there is something within us that rebels against that thought, isn't there? Satan still says, you can be your own God. And something within us likes to believe that life will be ours if we are the ones who are really in charge and we take the place of God ourselves. One of the most barefaced expressions of this I have ever heard is a quotation from the actress Shirley MacLaine. And I quote, she said this, I know that I exist and therefore I am. I know that the God source exists and therefore it is. And since I am part of that force, she said, I am that I am. Now, I have all kinds of reactions to that statement. But perhaps the strongest is this, I feel heart sorry for Shirley. Because if you are your own God, you are completely and utterly and ultimately alone. You have no one to look to but yourself. And nothing, think about this, nothing could be more tragic than sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd, well, you know what will happen. They'll wander off and they'll become lost. Apart from anything else, their wool will grow so long and so heavy that it will exhaust them in the heat of summer. That alone will finish them off. And the wolf, of course, will come and destroy them. But you see, David is not alone. This is the beauty of Psalm 23. He says, no, I'm not on my own. The Lord is my shepherd. That's why I'm able to rest. That's why I get restored. That's why I'm guarded. He's always with me. That's why I'm fed. That's why I know that I am loved, even in the hardest of circumstances of life. My shepherd owns me. He is fully committed to me. And therefore, I can say with some real confidence, I shall not want. It is a marvelous thing. To be wholly owned by the Son of God. Now, I said the last thing once already. This really is the last thing. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Said, said the last thing just once too early. <laughs> this really is the last thing. I, I've thought and prayed in advance of being here today just about the mix of the congregation, and I think... There must be some folks in the Zionsville congregation who've heard the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ many, many, many times, and you've become used to brushing them off. You're growing up here. You're brought along here. You feel you've heard it all before. And yet you know that you have never really come to a place of closing with the Lord Jesus Christ yourself so that the reality right now is you could not say, I'm wholly owned by the Son of God, the Lord is my shepherd. You're somewhere kind of out there on your own and you're sort of looking in. And I just want to ask you this question. When you hear this morning in your own church 
that the good shepherd leads his sheep and restores his sheep and guards his sheep and feeds his sheep and loves his sheep. When you hear that this morning, isn't there just something somewhere within your heart that says, huh, I'd kind of like that to be true of me? And think about your position if the Lord is not your shepherd. I mean, what if you, and this may apply to someone older, you just got used to, you know, I'm doing life my way, and you're choosing to be your own shepherd. And, and you know this is the reality of you. You're, you're your own God. You're in charge. You're in that dreadful, though very famous poem, you're the captain of your own ship, and you're the master of your own soul. Well, if that is your choice, your reality will be something like this. I am my own shepherd, and I shall always want. Sin makes me restless. It keeps me from lying down in green pastures. It leads me beside troubled waters, and it ruins my soul. Sin leads me in paths of unrighteousness, which I pursue for my own sake. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will have great fear, for sin will be with me. Its guilt and its shame will haunt me. Sin prepares a table before me in the presence of my friends. It promises much, but always disappoints. And my cup is always empty. Surely, judgment and condemnation will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the lost forever. Now, honestly, friend, who in the world really wants to say that? And if because you've resisted the Good Shepherd, that is your reality right now, why in the world would you stay there? Listen. Right now, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd Himself, offers Himself to you. He offers Himself as your shepherd. He offers to lead you, and to restore you, and to guard you, and feed you, and love you forever. These gifts can be yours, and they'll become yours when you become His. So, give up being self-owned and self-directed. Begin a new life of following the Lord Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd today. What does that mean? Believe Him. Trust Him. Submit to Him. Follow Him. Give yourself to Him without fear and without reservation. I mean, when you see who He is and what the Good Shepherd does, what would you have to fear in giving yourself to Him? The greatest blessing you can ever know is to be wholly owned by the Son of God, because when the Lord is your shepherd, you'll be able to say, I shall not want. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, may all 
who know you count it our greatest privilege and joy in life to be wholly owned by the Son of God. And may those who have resisted you and been at a distance from you, even this morning, come gladly to embrace the Savior in faith and in repentance, to follow after Christ and to enter into all of the good that belongs to all who are owned by him. Hear our prayers and receive our thanks for your great mercies in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.